Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, this is your one-man band, the one-man gang, if you will. Uh, Holland with the Wolf begins now with a review of Paranormal Caught on Camera, Season 4, Episode 13, A Shadowy Figure, 911 in Georgia, and more. And the teaser preview picture is of a giant chunk of dunk that I just might marry. Kidding. I don't really know where she's at. I could probably find her. Find her. So it's actually been a pretty interesting week. Uh, I've got into thrifting. You know, before we get into the show, I just figured I'd give you a little update on the happenings of the wolf and what's going on in the wolf's den. Um, Never thought I would get to a point in my collecting career, because it ended up being a career in some oddball fashion, that I, I flipped a lot of things where I get rid of a collection And I'll buy it back just to collect it again. I've done that probably three or four times with Thundercats. Where I've bought the vintage collection, completed it, sold it. Decided I liked it, wanted to get it back. Got it back. Sold it when Savage uh, World came out from Funko. Sold those because it wasn't complete. Started collecting and had all of the chase and the variants of the loyal subjects. And then I got rid of those once reaction figures came out and I just didn't decide I want to do those but I'd already gotten rid of Thundercats and thankfully I'm into 3D printing I can make my own damn Thundercats to complete the Savage World ones so that's generally what happens in my collecting days and now I'm in this weird spot where I can't justify spending $20 on a figure anymore I just can't do it it just doesn't seem worth it to me to buy a posable maquette is basically what it is. Animators used to use these. They're wooden dolls that have obnoxiously uh, posable joints and ball joints all over their body just so that you can pose them in any fashion and use them as uh, uh, you know reference for your poses and figure drawings and things like that and i just can't get over that every time i looked at a a figure these days marvel legends they're really i mean the ball joints and the shoulders are getting better certainly not as bad as toy biz um but the wrestling figures man these ultimates it's getting out of hand like they're gonna start putting a hinge in the middle of the rib cage just so that they could flex that out i mean it's it's getting ridiculous as far as what these joints do and i know they're catering to figure photographers because those are the ones that are actually selling the toys for them these days because their advertisement and their photography and design team sucks ass but i just don't get it i don't like it so i've decided i don't like spending 20 some dollars on a figure that's a million joints when toy collecting to me was all about toys. So I've gone the vintage route and I've started doing more of reaction figures. I've started doing more of the 5.5 masses universe style, simpler figures. And even that was starting to get pretty costly. And I decided, you know what? I can't find anything on streaming service anymore. I complained out my ass about uh, Masses Universe on Netflix and Woke Society and how things are different now. And, you know, honestly, it's 
that in itself caused a huge backlash. And I could do a whole episode on the arguments and things I've had with people over this new damn show. Well, what it made me realize is I'm paying for a streaming service that isn't providing me anything that I don't already have or couldn't already own. And I started thinking, why don't I just go thrifting again? Why don't I just start buying up DVD, VHS? And then I, it just exploded. I, I started wondering why I didn't even have a cassette player anymore, let alone a record player. I didn't have a CD player. I was completely at the will and mercy of streaming services. I have a Zune, believe it or not, 120-some gig Zune, filled with downloaded discographies of shit that I don't need. You do not need 18 albums of Yngwie Malmsteen on your Zune. At the time, I thought I did. But now when I put it on shuffle and I'd like to listen to anything but Yngwie Malmsteen, it's impossible. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool just to have CDs again, put it on my desk, and then it just, it man, it tore open this whole thrifting wave and craze. And all within one week, I think I've bought 50, 60 different VHS, about a dozen tapes, maybe 40 CDs, two records, and then the equipment to go with it. I haven't found a tape deck yet, so I'm still working on that. I got a receiver, a turntable, a five-disc changer, and I wanted to build a nice entertainment center like with what you know somebody would have had in the 80s or something when these things were $1,000 a unit or more. And then I totally realized I don't remember how to set up a damn stereo system anymore. Uh, so I had to have a friend help me. He gave me the receiver. We figured out how to do the, uh, the old wiring and, you know, it just, it, it was crazy. I'm so used to the way things are now. I forgot how difficult it was in the past and how you actually had to have a talent to set up a damn radio system. And I thought, man, I've got some powered speakers, monitors that I've used for my computer forever that I don't use anymore for that because YouTube and all those things are all on your phone now. So I could just plug that into the outlet jack or the uh, headphone jack, as it were, for something smaller. Well, now I got to go search for one of those. Anyway, you see where I'm getting is much like the uh, the elongated uh, evaluation of my collecting of Thundercats. Now I'm telling you in a billion different tangents of how I got into thrifting, and that's just how my mind works. It starts with one thing, spiderwebs off into another thing, and each one of those spiderwebs off into its own ideas. And I hate my grade school teachers for showing me how to branch out my ideas using the spiderweb method, because now that's all I think of. I see the little bubble in the middle that is your core idea, and they say draw three to five lines coming out of it and three to five more bubbles attached to those lines. And then each one of those bubbles branch out into two or three more. And then it just it, it, it's, it just gets out of control. It's ridiculous. So I bought so many things now that I do have two working VCRs, but 
the work that I'm doing right now, the VCR isn't in that room, so it's not really useful to me right now, which is, <laughs> I know, it means I'm going to have to buy something else. Uh, I think I'm just addicted to buying. I, th- I don't think I'm a collector. I think I just like buying shit. Uh, so now for my desk that I do the majority of my figure work on, I want to find one of those old TV VCR combos, you know, like the kind they give you in prison that are clear. Uh, so if, I mean, don't assume nothing about me, and I won't assume nothing about you, but we all know what they look like. Um I need to get one of those or some sort of combo unit that's got a disc changer, a tape deck, and a radio that I can just control because I spend the majority of my time at the chop shop desk. So, yeah, all these things, just a huge conundrum of buying just so I could get away from spending $20 on a single figure. Now, I would rather have 20 VHS tapes five CDs and a book for the price of what they're charging for an Ultimates figure or an Elite Edition. So I'm definitely a much more of a quantity person over quality. So I'm happy with my purchases. It's it's caused a, a fun thing for me to go hunting for, and I've had some strange luck with this. I found some band covers, which I don't need to get into, of albums just because of the imagery on there. Uh, I found a lot of VHS that used to be store uh, rentals, and one of which was Star Wars. I found a video rental series with a serial number, uh, original Star Wars from 77, and I think they released it to home video in 82. I snatched it up right away because I thought this is great, I want to watch the original Star Wars without all the damn CG effects that Lucas and Disney and everybody pulled. And this is back to the original reason why I started doing this, is I'm sick of streaming services telling me what I can and can't watch. If I pay for the service, you work for me, bitch. That's how this works. You can't just, oh, you know what, we don't have the license for this anymore. Now you're going to have to subscribe to Hulu. No. I do not have to pay my VCR anything to pop that thing in there and watch it. I don't have to pay my tape deck anything to put in the Suicidal Tendencies tapes that I just bought today and listen to some infectious grooves and metal funk. I don't like this idea that streaming services are making you pay and rent something that you already own. How many things do you watch over and over and over again on Netflix or Disney Plus that you have sitting in your collection already. Well, this Star Wars thing that I got, because I wanted to watch the original one, turns out it's a holy grail of collecting. Star Wars fans have been looking for these things because they weren't for sale, they weren't allowed to be sold, and each they were so protective of it that each store got a uh, serial-numbered tape, I don't even know, I almost called it a disc, I don't know what to call these things anymore, they got a serial numbered unit that was a VHS tape, and they could rent that out or use it for screening and uh, promotional or whatever. Anyway, I looked it up on eBay, and with three days left, there's 40-some bids, and it's over $400, and I paid 69 cents for it at Goodwill. 
Like, that's just crazy to me to think about that I pulled the Holy Grail. It's one of those stories that you just, somebody found a green card Hasbro mint on card in a file cabinet that they bought at Goodwill. It just doesn't happen. Half of these things where you see people doing that, it's all faked. Well, I can guarantee you I didn't spend $500 to buy this thing just to fake buying it at Savers or Goodwill, whichever one it was, because I went to seven today and (laughs) I bought a ton of shit. And when I came home and actually realized what I had, I couldn't believe it. So anyway, it's been fun. It's something new for me to look for, something to hunt for. I've talked to some friends that uh, have been wanting to tape trade or even lend me some of the things that they have and some of their rare finds, and I'm all about it. If you have creepy stuff or if you have unmarked tapes that you found at your uh, you know, thrift sales, tag sales, wherever you are, whatever they call them, send them to me. I'll pay for the shipping or whatever. I want to I see these things. I would love to get a box of VHS that the labels have worn off, and it's just a mystery. Is it a wedding? Is it porno? Is it old commercials? Is it a pay-per-view? Who knows what can be on these things? I know I have some gems, because even as a kid, I would save my allowance and do extra work to afford a $45 to $50 pay-per-view, and more than anything... I can watch those without the F being blurred out on the WWF programs. And I can watch the half-hour pre-show that I also used to tape. And it'll show you the superstars of wrestling and all the different things like that leading up to, uh, you know, why these matches are happening. It used to all be about storylines. Anyway, lots of segues there. That's the opening segment. That's what's been going on with me this week. And uh, it's just been crazy. I I feel more fulfilled as a collector with physical media than I have in a long time collecting figures. Okay, so back to the Paranormal Caught on Camera. Season 4, Episode 13, Shadow Figure 911, Colin, Georgia. Uh, I just watched the preview for... The uh, segments in this show, and I can tell you I'm already going to be mad about it. I don't like it. They all seem faked. Uh, it, uh, there is a shadow person in a black leotard. There is the same thing in an Irish grave. There is a bunch of androgynous weirdos that are just trying to balance a ball on the edge of a staircase. And when it moves, they go, oh, no, it's a ghost. Shut the fuck up. All right. That's how this episode is going to go. Let's take it for the very first segment and see what happens. All right, so here we are in Cobbtown, Georgia. I wonder if that's any different than Cobb County, Georgia. And we got a gal, I think her name was Brittany. She's pretty cute, big girl. Tusk Dork likes them big girls. She's a chunk of dunk, so we're going to like this one. Uh, Southern Accent's doing it for me, but her video is not. I have a problem with shadow ghosts. When you see a shadow, it's blacker than black. You can be in a dark room, because I've seen them, where it's pitch black and something darker than the pitch black moves. It's not going to be something that you would see during the daytime. That would be that 
empty of a void in pitch black. And what she's seeing is she's a 911 call dispatch operator looking down the hallway and there's a person in an all black leotard just standing there. You know, the green screen suits that they make you wear in movies and, uh, you know, do all those after effects things. I mean, you could see it. They've got their shoulder and their head peeking around the corner and she sort of notices it. And then when it ducks back in, she screams, as one would. So it's obviously one of her uh, co-workers or teammates playing a trick on her. Um, I seriously don't see how they're going to analyze this and make this seem any more real than, uh, you know... I, I just I don't see how this is going to work. I, I don't. They usually what they do is they try and uh, make it seem like it it, it is real and, and not faked. And I just I don't see how they're going to describe this one as real. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, Brandy. You cute, but I think someone's playing a trick on you. So I'm going to set up the scene, and you guys tell me what you think rhetorically or message me you know i'm I'm okay with interactiveness if if you guys want to message me and talk about some of these things or if you've had a paranormal experience i'd love to hear about it and maybe give you my take uh we could swap ghost stories uh what's happening here is she works alone in a building that should be her first red flag she's female uh or feminine and that should be a second one it's not an attack on the gender it's just Anyone who is feminine will tend to be overreactive to things. And especially when it comes to paranormal activity, noises and whatnot. Another thing is she works in a dispatch center for 911. So her mind is always on death, emergency, uh, panic, trying to keep calm or keep other people calm. So... The only thing that leads any credibility to this is a place like a uh, call center or a, a graveyard, a hospital, a brothel even. Things where people put so much energy into it in life or death or you know super extreme situations, you are going to leave an imprint on that person and in the facility that they're in. So... I could see a haunting happening in a place like this. However, the only footage that she caught was some knocks on the wall, uh, which could be anything. You know, we've talked about the vacuum effect as far as uh, one door opening and another one closing at the other end of the building. Um, or it could have been a you know shuttered window that popped open unknowingly and now doors rattle. Uh she said she saw a Coke can slide across the table. Uh, who hasn't seen that? She did say there was no water underneath that. But, you know, honestly, any cold drink, whether you see condensation or not, is going to have that. So I, these are all things that she's just telling you about without actually showing you on camera and there she did capture a few like light flickers and things like that but her claim to fame video the reason she was on the show is 
all these things that happened. It kept building and building to a, a boiling point, and then she slides open something. I don't know if it's like a, uh, a delivery window or something where she can look in a different hallway, and she sees in the break room somebody's shoulder and partial head uh, visible. And she starts narrating the video. She's like, I don't know if you guys could see this. Maybe she was doing a Facebook Live or something. And she's saying, uh, you know, tell me I'm not crazy, but that, does that look like somebody standing? Why? And then, you know, of course she goes nuts when the thing moves. I mean, if I was in a podunk town and I knew there was an attractive female working by herself in a building... I probably would try and scare the bejesus out of her just for my own benefit. Uh, I've done it before and played pranks and tricks on people. and It's hilarious. I love it. Nobody's been able to do that to me because I just, I, I'm not scared of stuff like that. But it's hilarious and I love the fear. I, th- I think I'm going to make a great ghost when the time comes. Um, so I would do that. I, I wouldn't put it past somebody to actually do this. It's, that's all this is. It's, it's got to be. Uh, you know, watch the episode for yourself and, and make your own assumptions. But as, as my best guess, it's, it's someone playing a prank on her. All right, here we are in Markleyville, California, where a couple of kids that look like they're in a band that cries when they sing are about to do some ghost hunting. And from what I've seen so far, it's a bunch of overreactive kids trying to make things happen. And when it does, they want to react to it just like a damn TikTok video to get views. This is the one where they show the clip of the ball rolling down the stairs. But did they put the ball far enough away from something? No, they rested it and purposely put it on the edge of the stairs so that it could lose its own balance and topple itself down the stairs and go, oh my God, a ghost moved it. Okay, let's watch this one and see how terrible it is. As much as I can't stand looking at these two weirdos, they did a pretty good job of actually investigating what was going on. They were called in uh, as you know, semi-professionals by the owner of an establishment and uh, they learned the history of the place, found out that the bar had been relocated. So it had a grandiose story and a history. They couldn't say anything as to what or who the haunting was. But uh, it's funny that in the preview clip, they show a ball rolling off the stairs, but they don't show the full-bodied apparition walking in the back halls. I mean, that right there should have been commercial-worthy and make me want to watch the episode. So that's a little odd that they wouldn't focus on that because when they're setting up the static cams, you can see someone walking in the background that isn't there, and it's not a reflection off of something. It's an ethereal form that's see-through that walks in, checks them out, tries to see what they're doing, and then turns around nonchalantly and goes about his business. And it's about as genuine as a uh, you know movement as I could possibly think of. Could it be fact, uh, faked? Yes, it, it, it could. And you know I hate to stereotype and uh, and look at these kids and think that they're probably just you know hackers and trying to come up with a, a show that will get them likes and views so that they get a TV deal. 
but it actually looks pretty genuine. The footage does look pretty good. So faked or not, I can't tell. Now, as far as the ball went, that's uh, another story. They did show that they tried this experiment two or three different times, uh, which is what you should do. If you have a trigger object or if you have something that you're asking a ghost to move or interact with, you want to, for random's sake, do it again just to make sure that it wasn't just a coincidence. And they did that. They even put the ball down, jumped around it, tried to do what they could to get it to fly off of there. But they really did. They put it so close to the edge of the stairs that... It had nothing, nowhere else to go but down the stairs. And he had a legitimate scared reaction to the thing falling. I mean, he clenched his fist, broke character, and he apologized and felt sheepish after uh, the thing fell down the stairs and scared the crap out of him. But when you don't see that reaction, you just see a ball flying down the stairs, you're like, well, obviously, where else was it going to go? You put it right on the corner. So is it believable? Yes, do they think it's haunted? Yes. Uh, I Honestly, I, I wouldn't say this is faked. It just is sort of, you know, it, there's nothing really there for me to get goosebumps over. But, uh, it, it you know, I, I got to give it to them. I, you know, as, as weird as they look, they do look like they try and do a legitimate investigation. So next we go to Ireland where they are claiming that orbs are dancing around Halloween decorations. And, you know, I, I'm again going to go with my initial thoughts on this and say that it's, uh, it's not paranormal. It's, if you listen to uh, last week's episode about the thing dancing around the, uh, uh, the, what do you call it, like all the offerings and things, uh, where how spider webs and spiders glow and look different on camera it legit looks like a piece of dog hair or a string or some sort of uh, spider web is caught in front of her security camera and is dancing in front of the view so that makes it look like it's it's a trick to where it's right on the camera but it makes it looks like it's farther away and dancing out in between her fake gravestones and her little Halloween setup. So, yeah, not much to this one. Yeah, it's exactly what I said it was. Uh, I even fast-forwarded through some of it because the analysts are just so full of shit on this one. So, this is what you're seeing. They set the scene, they play some creepy music that is almost circus-like, and you're seeing a Halloween setup... And then a description of the scene being the lady of the house set up cameras because the year previous, her Halloween decorations were stolen. So this year she was going to keep an eye on things and uh, she set up a nice little garden of uh, decorations. And in one of the videos, uh, she sees this tall string of orbs as everyone is calling them appear and then starts dancing around in between all the decorations and moving back and forth blah 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 whatever and the analyst goes far as to claim that this is a fucking fairy and i just man like i can just see the producers of the show 
you know, first of all, this is all being done remote still, and that still kind of pisses me off. They used to do a nice production where they would sit in the studio, and I didn't have to see people up so damn close on like a damn Zoom video. But, you know, hopefully we'll figure this out through this pandemic and eventually not film people up so damn close to their faces with that stupid ring of light that makes their irises look fucking weird. Like, it's just, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible to watch. Um, but these analysts, I could I could see them sitting there and they got an email from their producer. They're like, look, it's a spider web on a webcam. Can you guys make it seem like it's something and speak knowledgeably about something to scare our viewers? And none of them can. So they come up with the idea that, oh, this is a a nice blessed bee ritual of a fairy dancing around, a, a youthful spirit even dancing between. A, no, it's a fucking spider web. End of story. I, I will even do the experiment when I'm done with this and I'll post the video so you can see what I'm seeing. And uh, it's it's a spider web. Well, this honestly may be one of the lamest episodes. And they're not all going to be zingers. You know, I've I've heard both Jason Hawes and Zach Bagans and a lot of the professional ghost hunters say that they'll film hundreds of hours and only catch two or three possibly maybe unexplainable things and only one episode out of a season will have something dramatic in it. So I understand that not everything can be paranormal. But when you have a show that's user-submitted, there should be more of a pool to reach into and find these things than just you creating content yourself. I mean, the entire world can send in videos. And they've just compiled a bunch of shit this week. I mean, this... The <laughs> This one, this I mean, I, I just breezed right through it. It was a, a smoke ring. But they're going to try and explain it up that it's a um, an alien symbiote or a uh, biological UFO. And I have seen more of those. So back in the 50s, because of Roswell and the coining of the term uh, flying saucer, that's what everyone saw until cigars became popular. And then they saw those until all of a sudden somebody saw one land. And then now there was a fourth kind of, uh, you know, experience you could have with these aliens and then from there it went to the triangle most of those just evolved with our military craft you know uh things that you're seeing now were built uh 40 50 years ago and conceptualized long before that so i don't need to get into that i mean we've all seen something now that we're like wow that's absolutely crazy and then realize whoa, that was probably created at Area 51 and S2 or Site 7 like 50 years ago. What could we possibly be doing now? But the new trend in aliens and UFO videos seems to be biological UFOs. And as much as I would love to believe that jellyfish fly through the sky and Cthulhu, the old ones, are coming back... 
I just don't see it. So this guy in England has caught something suspicious in the sky. It is a UFO because it's unidentified, but is it otherworldly? I doubt it. It's a ring that somewhat looks like it's got a little bit of a puff for a head or at least a heading position. And then the rest of the body snakes out into a smoky figure eight. And again, like I've explained before, if you've ever set off one of those dragon balls or the pyro fireworks where you put the ball in the chute and then it explodes into the ball of uh, you know glitter in the sky, if you were to shoot one of those off during the daytime, you would not only see the ball of glitter, but you would see the smoke ring that it creates and then watch that hover and float away. It would look like these biological entities that they think they're seeing. And, you know, I don't know if he lives next to a, a coal refinery or uh, some sort of smokestacks to a warehouse or something, a paper mill. I don't know. But to me, it looks like it was a startup of something that blew through a tube and then ended up leaving an imprint in the sky. And it's just going to nice and breezily float through, creating a smoky circle. It's a smoke ring. Oh, hell no. Okay, now I was going to say, I hope they end this on a good note, because seriously, this has been one real banger of a boring-ass show, but holy fucking goosebumps. Um, yeah, so we're in Montana, and they set up the scene with uh, two females living in a house, one leaves for the night, and one's left alone, uh, which should be a trigger and a red flag right there, and she starts hearing noises downstairs as if the roommate was coming back. So she starts her phone. And the first thing I notice is she's pretty still in that room and a orb shoots past the camera, but they don't talk about that. They didn't see that. Maybe I'm the only one that saw that. Then she's brave enough to get up. She still hears some muffling and some banging and some weird things downstairs creeps towards the door and goes two or three steps down and hears the banging louder. It's like somebody's making something in the kitchen. But again, another orb goes right in front of her. Now, you got to watch this video because the thing downstairs, whatever it is that's making noise, starts making more noise and thumps towards her in the stair. And she didn't want to see what it was. She wanted to get the fuck out of there jumps back in her room, jumps in the bed, and all of a sudden you see orbs everywhere. Well, now it's dust. If it's one, I'm more likely to believe that it's an orb. If it's hundreds, you need to dust in your house. And to me, the very first one seemed orb-like. It was a little more see-through. It wasn't a perfect circle. And the one in the hallway seemed to be uh, the same similar uh, form. Now, what's weird and why I'm pointing out two different orbs is because as she gets back in her bed, she points the camera towards the wall and there's visible now two doors to her room, the one that she shut and another one, which I'm assuming is the bathroom. 
and then something thumps up the stairs and gets right next to her door. Now it's getting a little creepy, but not only that, it goes quiet for a split second before you start hearing the rattling. It's shaking the door handles, trying to get in. Now, when I first heard of shaking door handles, and if you've listened to my podcast before, um, I thought that was one of the dumbest things ever. It's not scary. It's dumb. And until it happens to you, you realize this is actually pretty damn real. Uh, I was standing outside of the room containing what the uh, Zach likes to call the Dybbuk box, and uh, the door handle shook on me. I don't think it was the Dybbuk box. I think it was Peggy or the little boy that resides in the building. But uh, <coughs> COVID. Sorry. No, I don't have COVID. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's real creepy when it actually happens to you. So uh, her door handle starts shaking on both doors. And not only that, it's not locked. The noise stops, and then both doors at the same time creep open. And they creep open enough that you can see that there's no one behind there. And I, for, I get goosebumps reiterating the story just thinking about it because I said it out loud as I'm watching the video. I'm like, oh, hell no. No, oh, no, no, no. And that's got to be a terrifying feeling when your back is up against the wall in between two doors, and now you have not one but two things coming at you from your only exits, that's terrifying. I want to see what else happens. Man, there is a lot going on here. In fact, I even had to get up because I thought I heard noises and things around the house, not being scared of it, but I, you know, I thought, all right, my neighbor's having a party, what's going on? And, uh, you know, I start hearing like, noises and that's what happens just like the very beginning of this when you're already in a heightened sense of awareness when it comes to paranormal activity you're going to hear everything and assume it's a ghost so when I paused it and I heard some things I go investigate and I want to go check it out see what it is and um, come back got some water and sat down again and played the next clip and it does the same thing she got so scared, she shut the phone off the first time, the door slammed, and then she got brave enough to turn it back on, and the same thing happens. Door creeps open for a little bit and slams. Only this time, when it creeps open, a singular orb cobras in front of her. This isn't something that any of the analysts are talking about. And this is real scary. If you have something that's tormenting you, that's chasing you in your own house, and you go to hide in a bedroom, and the door opens, you think something is coming in. But why on earth, when the door slams, do you think it was slammed from the outside? And I want you to think about that. If you've ever had a door slammed on you, why would you think whatever it was didn't come in the room and shut the door behind it so that you two were alone? 
Now I bet you're going to have a little trouble sleeping on that thought, especially if you've had this happen or a door open. But the what and the reason I say that is because when that door opens, then all of a sudden coming into view directly in front of the cell phone, you see this perfect orb rise up, sort of circle a little bit, dead center of the video, and then dart off. And they don't talk about it. They must assume that it's some form of uh, dust because it is a dusty room, but dust will whoosh in the direction the air is making it travel. This floated up, did a few little twirlies in front of her, and then took off in a different direction. So unless she queefed and made that happen, I don't know what the fuck could have happened. But this is this is terrifying. Yeah, that was probably one of the more legit videos that I had seen in a long time. And and I love videos of poltergeist activity because they're usually explainable, but I love door activity, especially when you can't see what's on the other side. And then when it opens and you can see that there isn't anyone on the other side, that sort of stuff, it's a lot harder to fake. Uh, yes, you could do it with a uh, fishing line or something to that effect, but this this seems honestly legit. So again, she's hearing noises downstairs, goes to investigate. It follows her up the stairs, and you can hear, like, thumping. Like, they're big boots. It's like I'm chasing this poor girl up the stairs, and thumping with my size 13 boots and then trying to scare her knowing full well I can open that damn door just by jiggling and rattling it and trying to get it to move and then twisting it and just let, I mean, you can't write a more perfect, horrific scene than that. Uh, so it just, I, I feel bad for the girl. I have had... Uh, a few roommate experiences similar to this. Um, one in particular, uh, a guitar player buddy of mine, uh, when I first moved to Vegas, I lived with him, and he had, I believe he was a five-year-old kid at that time, uh, living with us, you know, most of the time. And uh, we had always enjoyed paranormal stuff, but he was more of uh, my roommate was, was more afraid of it than, uh, intrigued like I was because I was always trying to figure things out. And, uh, what he had told me is that his son would experience strange things and toys would play on their own. You know, we've all seen the toy that is battery operated, that lights up, makes noise. And then you realize there's no battery in there and it's real creepy and shit. He says things like that had happened to his son. And then, of course, in the downstairs bathroom, there was a cubby that went underneath the stairs where he could store things, and he said some of those same toys would make noise. Well, I wouldn't really give too much credit to that, but I did hear movement and noises under the stairs a lot. And similar story, I was upstairs in my room that had two doors like that. And it felt like 
the kid got home early, thumped up the stairs real quick like he would, and then shook the door just a little bit. And then I opened it to scare him back and there was nobody there. And then I heard tup, 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 tup. And then like, the you know, he goes down the two flights of stairs around the corner. And so I get my EMF detector out, which is electromagnetic frequency detector. You've probably seen it on ghost shows where it lights up from green to red and a hotter signal would be red. So microwaves and TVs and magnetized things will give off an electromagnetic reading. If you put it next to a light or a TV, it should glow bright red, meaning it's a very strong energy. If it's light green or yellow, sort of hardly energy at all. And so I've got my EMF detector and I'm walking down the hallway and there's nothing in there. It's, I mean, this was a giant 20 foot townhouse where from floor to ceiling, there was actually a spot uh, that could get that high. So I wasn't around a light or a light switch or anything that could have triggered this. And I'm walking down the stairs and it's going from green to yellow, green to yellow, green to orange, yellow to orange, yellow to orange, yellow, 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 red for no reason. And there's nothing around it. And that's what they say leads to paranormal activity or leads someone to believe that it's paranormal is if you're getting those hot readings with nothing there, then it's got to be a ghost, right? So I had said the name of the thing that uh, the kids said it was. Uh, I'm not going to repeat it because I do believe that sometimes when you speak of these things, they come back. And if you guys hear the names of these things, I don't want them to attach themselves to you. Uh, even just thinking of it and knowing it in my head, I already feel kind of a tinge in my neck. I have an episode on that too. Um, I feel entities will try and attach themselves to you and you'll start getting pains in the base of your neck where it attaches to the skull and in between your shoulder blades and your trapezoid area and then through the bottoms of your feet. So if you're in a real weird situation where you feel that there is a malevolent spirit or a dark haunting and you start feeling pain in one of those areas, I'm almost 90% sure you need to get the fuck out of there. Because that means something is not only trying to attach itself to you, it's trying to enter you in some form of communication or, worst case scenario, possess you. So, even as that's happened to me now while I'm reiterating this story, it's because I'm thinking of the name and thinking of the person knowing of, you know, what was there. But, I'm you know, I want you guys to hear this story. And... Uh, you know, just in the middle of the stairs, I would ask, is this you? And it would blink bright red. Uh, is this your name? And it would blink bright red. Do you know who this child is? And it, w it would blink. Uh, are you attached to this child? I mean, it, what I got out of it from the communication was, for one reason or another, this kid was special and could be uh, special needs could be extrasensory, could be sixth sense, don't know. Um, needless to say, me and that roommate had a falling out and we don't talk anymore. And it wasn't because of this, it was for a lot of reasons, but um, his kid definitely was special in some way and it was very odd, a lot of the situations that uh, surrounded this kid. So I do believe that there's different energies between roommates and in a household and, and things like that. Uh, 
there was another instance with the same roommate. I'll kind of tell you this one real quick. I'm in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba on tour uh, with the Plain White Tees. I was doing uh, just the drum tech and uh, filling in here and there. If, you know, bass player got too fucking drunk, as he did, and uh, setting shit up. So I'm in Gitmo, and we had to keep our phones on airplane mode unless we were hooked up to Wi-Fi because they had to scan everything that we did and we weren't allowed to take photos of anything. You know, I, I don't I still don't even know how much I'm allowed to tell about this experience. Basically there were things that they did not want the public to see and uh let's say landmarks, I should say, that shouldn't get out there to where we know, okay, this building is next to this. Anywho I woke up thinking a training exercise was happening because my bed violently shook like an earthquake, but I remember hearing a loud boom that woke me up, and I wasn't even that drunk that day, and I had no idea what was going on. And then this was in my house that we were allowed to stay in, uh, and seconds later I'm getting texts from the roommate and he's like dude I just had the most terrible nightmare something shook my bed and when I opened my eyes there was 10 little demons standing around the edge of the bed all shaking the bed and for him to describe the same thing that had just happened to me it was just it was such a weird connection and such a weird vibe especially considering that was back in Vegas and I was in Gitmo in Cuba. So yeah, I do. I I feel for this girl. I feel for anyone that would have to go through a a situation like that. And this is, uh, yeah, this is, this is pretty terrifying. And believe it or not, there's more. Uh, yes, we just Billy mazed this and came up with an extra clip towards the end. And it's a haunted doll clip. I am not particularly scared of dolls, specifically uh, porcelain dolls. I live in a house with thousands of dolls and action figures. So the thought of one of them coming to life doesn't really scare me because if they did, they all would, and then I'd be dead because there's 10,000 of them. So we're in Mexico in this clip. And it's a very familiar story. In fact, I, I'm i pretty sure that I have actually seen this on an episode of Haunting. That uh, the Haunting series where they reenact stories that people tell uh, Netflix tried to do their own. But there was one during the pandemic where we weren't filming anything. So we just uh, there was one that happened in Mexico. I think they took this story from that because it's very familiar. So... It's a lady that was gifted a three-foot-tall doll from her husband. We don't know what happened to the husband or what happened to the daughter, but all of a sudden she decides to dress the doll in her daughter's clothes and treat it like a daughter, and then miraculously this doll starts walking. Now, having worked at the Haunted Museum and seen a lot of the, I'll just flatly say it, bullshit that they try and pass off as uh, 
real is is just ridiculous. Uh, so I know most of the doll things are completely faked. Uh, you know, Peggy, I, I thought something happened when I first met Peggy, and then I would hear her voice move. So that one is a little more believable than, say, the one downstairs in the haunted doll closet that's in paranormal quarantine, as they make us tell people. Um, this doll from Mexico, though, doesn't seem to be haunted. It doesn't seem to be anything that is scary. It just seems like it's manipulated. Now, if she had lost a daughter or a husband, I could see that this thing would be making noise or moving on its own or doing something that could be what would be inhabiting this thing. But it's not. She's literally walking next to the doll that's picking up the feet and walking with her owner. So here's the thing. I don't believe it's paranormal, and it's actually pretty sad. If this elderly lady thinks that this has been her only friend and walks and it gives her comfort, uh, knowing that she has a living doll as a friend, then more power to her. However, and I'm not trying to make fun of her, and I almost feel bad for saying this, have you ever walked a ladder you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever set up a ladder, crawled to the top, and then you kind of pick up one side and then the other, and then the ladder walks and all of a sudden all four legs are walking with you, and even though you're not moving, the ladder is moving underneath you? Has anyone done that, or am I just the weird kid? I, I think half of my listeners are all wrestling fans, so first time you hear ladder, you're probably thinking of doing a Jeff Hardy and, you know, off the top of this thing. But... uh even if you have the ladder propped up with only two feet, you can hold one side of it and kind of shift it side to side, and it will look like it's walking. It'll pick one leg up, move it forward, down. Pick the other leg up, move it forward, down. And the reason I know this is because I've lived by myself. I've done a lot of my collections and decorating designing by myself. I've moved bookcases in the exact same fashion where I will tilt it onto two edges and then rock it back and forth so that it walks on its own and then it pretty much goes into position where I need it without me having to drag it across the carpet or the flooring and what have you. And if you watch the video of this poor lady with her doll friend, she grabs it by the arm and she's almost doing a figure eight with it. And it seems to me like it's just a marionette trick, something that she's learned because she walks very slow and walks with the doll and doesn't like stand still and let the doll walk on its own. In other words, it's not attached to her feet. So when she picks up her right foot, the doll's foot doesn't move. Uh, it, it's not you know, like a marionette where she's got a hand up her butt pulling strings and maybe making the knees go up and down. It's just a, a, a stationary doll that rocks back and forth. And that that's it. That's all there is to it. So she's manipulating it, whether subconsciously or, or not. Uh, and then the, the reason that that 
popped out in my head as what's happening here is because she admitted no one else can make the doll walk but me. She only loves me. She won't let anyone else walk her. That was it. That's when the uh, the light bulb turned on in my brain. Because if she walked with somebody else, the other person would either have to know the trick or it's a legitimate haunting. Because no one else can do this, they don't know how to make the doll work. So I, I don't believe it's haunted at all. Uh, and, you know, that's not to say that all haunted dolls aren't haunted. Because I do believe that you could have a golem situation where uh, you create a wooden or a clay form that a spirit can inhabit if they can't inhabit a, an actual person. So, you know, I, I believe it's uh, something that is possible. However, in this case, I do not. That wraps it up for this week. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed some of the, the findings that I got and saw some of the excitement I did online. Uh, I've got a lot of things coming personally for my fan club members and uh, the exclusives, all sorts of fun stuff. I'm busier than ever. I'm having a blast and uh, things are, are doing pretty good. I do, however, think that I picked something up today from one of the thrift shops. And I'm not talking about COVID and I'm not talking about an STD. I've been hearing weird movements, weird knocks, and weird little things ever since I got home with this stuff. So I don't know if something I bought today has an attachment. We'll see. I'll keep my eyes and ears open. I'm not worried about it. But if something happens, I'll try and catch it on camera and uh, I'll let you guys know what's up. Stay safe and sane.